D, did you know that according to the organization Feeding Wild Birds in America, the U.S. market for bird feed was $4 billion with a B dollars in 2012, with another $970 million spent on feeders and other accessories? I wonder how much it is now, nearly 10 years later. I bet it's a lot more. Welcome to the Garden Angelus, where we talk about flowers, veggies, and all the best dirt. I'm Dee Nash from Guthrie, Oklahoma, where I garden on seven and a half acres out in the country. And I'm Carol Michael from Indianapolis, Indiana. I have a suburban garden measured in square feet, about a third of an acre. We call ourselves Garden Angelus because we are evangelists for gardening. Preach it, girl. We love gardening and we want you to love it, girl. Love it too. Yes, we do. And we aren't afraid to spill the beans and tell all of our gardening secrets, the good, the bad, and even the ugly. But that's enough of who, what, when, where. Let's move on to this week's episode. Hello, Dee. Hello, Carol. How does your garden grow? It grows, well, it grows wintry. Right? Although right now the sun is really shining, but it is cold as, is it cold as a day old biscuit out there? That's a good one. It's 39 degrees here, so it's not it's not warm. And it was 14 on Saturday or Sunday. Wow. That is very chilly for you. <laughs> yeah. So in real gardening news, yes. I did buy the traditional waxed amaryllis bulbs, and they say traditional because since last year, for my great nieces and nephew. And mm-hmm. uh, they're great because with little kids, you just watch them grow. And so I bought them and I always buy them kind of as close to Christmas as I can because I want to be sure that I don't end up with one that I bought two weeks ago and is about ready to bloom. I want the kids to see it. Yeah, that's the whole idea. You know, that's that's probably the easiest way to get a kid started in gardening, right? Oh, well, I'm definitely working on that. But <laughs> I was thinking about these waxed amaryllis and I said, I thought to myself, these teach a valuable lesson for all gardeners. What's that? Sometimes it's just best to put a plant in the light, turn it every once in a while, and then leave it alone to do its thing. Stop messing with those plants. You can't do anything with an waxed amaryllis. It's just going to grow. That's it. It's just going to sit there and grow. Yeah, that's good. So um, that's a great piece of information because you should turn your plants once in a while in the window because otherwise they grow toward the light and it doesn't look good. So keep turning those amaryllis or whatever about a quarter of a turn every couple of days. I just turn mine whenever I water. I just give everybody a little spin. That's good. I also got another bag of wood chips from my brother-in-law who does bowl and he carves bowls and plates and all kinds of stuff. Said he had three bags. I'm like, I could use one to finish off my path. I got that. I finished off the path this morning. So looking good for spring. Yay. Yay. What's your garden up to? So I planted the bulbs. I got them in, all of them. Yay. I'm very excited. And I also wrote a garden post about soup. It's about, it's a garden post because it has beans in it. And then I wrote a newsletter about slowing down in Advent so that you don't fall off a bar stool. And that's all I'm going to say about uh, that. (laughs) I have nothing to say, but if anybody doesn't get your newsletter, then go to your your, uh, blog and sign up for it because you just never know what's going to, you just never know. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I write whatever I want in my newsletter. So we are going to link to it. And I made cranberry bread with pecans, pecans that we talked about last week, right? Yum. And it was, 
delicious and very Christmassy. And I had some for breakfast the other day and I bought a new house plant. Tell me about this house plant because, you know, if you talk too glowingly about it, I probably want one. So it's a ZZ plant, which is the easiest plant to grow. I think it's easier than mother-in-law's time. I mean, really, you don't have to do anything to it. Water it once in a blue moon. So there's a new one and it's called Raven and it almost has black foliage. It's pretty cool. That sounds great for Halloween. Actually, I bought two (laughs) because the first one I bought, I accidentally left it in my car when I went to buy grit from Lowe's. And I'm just going to say Lowe's so people know where it is. And so I bought the grit and I left the grit in my car and I left the ZZ plant in my car. And remember that 14 degrees? Yeah, that's too cold for a ZZ plant. Yeah, that's way too cold. So I brought it in. So Bill said, maybe it's still okay because Bill is the eternal optimist. Yeah. And I walked in with it and it was like frozen and little leaves just clinked off. And by the time we came over from church, it was like lying over. So he took me back to Lowe's and I got another one. (laughs) So do you you think you killed it all the way down to the roots? Would it come back? (sighs) Ah. You know, I just decided I'm too old to wait on it. I'm not doing yeah. it. Although it would probably come back from the roots, but think how long it takes for ZZ plants to grow. Yeah, they're it's just not growing. worth it, Carol. Well, you know, that's, it. that's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. <laughs> Some days you just forget it's in the car. All right, I'm going to give us a quote. That's right. It's Christmas time. <laughs> I'm going to give us a quote. So you're right, Christmas time. Here's the quote, furrows be glad, though earth is bare, one more seed is planted there. Give up your strength, the seed to nourish, that in course the flower may flourish. People look east and sing today, love the rose is on the way. From the hymn, People Look East, by and the lyrics by Eleanor Fargion, 1881-1965. This is my favorite Advent hymn. I love people look East. I love about decorating and making your houses as pretty as you're able and all that. Plus it talks about seeds and the earth. And so, you know, it's pretty exciting. Exactly. I like it. So we're going to talk nothing about any of that for our flower topic. Our flower topic is back to the National Garden Bureau. So 2022 is also the year of the lilac. Everybody knows what lilacs look like, which is our flowering shrub right it's yeah. a flowering shrub and tree them. yeah and a tree it's a tree in my yard too yeah mine's big my lilac is super huge i'd like to know from our listeners who grows lilacs because you can grow them i can grow them oh tons of them okay they they're need not winter chill they do to flower properly they need winter chills so people in texas really can't grow them um so i knew an interesting sidebar about lilacs which is the 1943 play Oklahoma and the film from 1955 are based upon Green Grow the Lilacs, which was a 1930 play, which actually was also performed on Broadway. So, wow. So play it's a musical and it's a movie and it's a state and it's a state (laughs) and a state song. (laughs) So people in Oklahoma sometimes grow lilacs, but you don't see it that much. I do hear about them in the spring. Um, I think lilacs get more press back east for some reason, maybe because there's more chill, but I have never not had my lilacs flower ever. So I get enough chill. 
Yeah. And so around here, people, that's the most common complaint people will ask. Like when I work, people say, my lilac's not blooming. And then I say, well, you have a black thumb. I'm sorry. Or something (laughs) horrible to them. And actually there's two reasons your lilac's not going to bloom. Okay. And has nothing to do with you. Some people, they, they end up in shade. And so in shade, they won't set bloom. Oh no, nothing really sets blooms very well in shade if it's a sun plant. No. And the other thing is they actually form the flower buds late summer, mid to late summer. Right. So if you prune them and I tell people around here, if you prune them after 4th of July, you're just cutting off all next year's flowers. Don't do that. That's the cutoff point. Right. But people get out there in the fall and they're, I'll just trim this back a little bit. And it's like, okay, you cut off all your flower buds. Don't come crying to Carol when you don't have any lilac blooms. Or any, just pick another shrub. I mean, there's a whole bunch of shrubs like that. So my advice here for people who have shrubs is I just say, you know what? If you feel the need to cut them back a little bit, just do it right after they bloom. Yeah. Like the minute the bloom's finished. Exactly. Because then you probably aren't going to cut off next year's blooms yet. I'm not promising anything, but I'm going to say you're probably not. So don't prune your lilacs in fall or in early spring. No, in fact, yeah, early spring before they bloom, you're just cutting off all the flowers. I would say if you have a newly planted lilac or one that's just within a few years old, it's probably a good thing to go ahead and cut off all the spent flowers just to give the energy back to the roots. And so it's not setting seed and it looks a little nicer. That's really good for... I think that's good advice for a lot of plants. I went and I saw the other day an echinacea that was blooming in this little garden because we hadn't had any cold weather, right? And I was looking at it and it was just a little tiny plant and it was just blooming all it's worth, right? And I was like, somebody needs to cut those off because it needs to put all of that energy back down into the roots. Now, there's going to be people who say, yeah, but the birds eat the seeds. Well, yeah, they do. But if you have a little bitty plant... They don't really eat the seeds that much. And the truth is... I've never seen birds eating lilac seeds. No, that didn't didn't happen in here. No, not lilacs. I was thinking echinaceas. So anyway, a good piece of advice is that if something is small, go ahead and prune off the flowers. Right. So I have four types of lilac around this place. And you and I share in common the, the common lilac, which is Syringa vulgaris. Right. Big... First, Big. first one to bloom in the spring, and around here it's often in bloom yes. by mid-April. Here too, mm-hmm. and then the next one I have, and so and it can be a very large shrub. Oh, mine's six feet tall, yeah. and it, they can go to ten, know, feet. five feet wide. Yeah, it's really, really huge. Yeah, it's been there a long time. Then the next one is the Miss Kim, which is the Korean lilac, and it gets to about six feet, and it's next to bloom in my garden. Very fragrant, very common to find. Miss yeah, Kim. but do you like the fragrance of Miss Kim? I do. I do not. I have I have two Miss Kims, and I really don't like how they smell. I think it's really strong. It is it's strong. a Korean lilac, and it's really strong. Um, I like my Chinese lilac better. My basic it common does lilac. not. It does not. It's not as strong as scent. Yes. So then, what's your next one? The Meyer lilac in my garden blooms right after Miss Kim. Meyer lilacs are uh, much smaller leaf and you can get some varieties that will stay, you know, three, four feet with some light pruning and and uh, they're very fragrant as well. 
Okay. And then, so I'm wondering, and I didn't, I didn't actually put this in our notes. So I'm going to test us a little bit. So the bloomerang lilacs, you know what I'm talking about from proven winners? I do know what you're talking about. Yes. They're supposed to bloom more than once. Have you ever grown those? I haven't grown one yet. I have not. I see them for sale. But my niece and her husband have some bloomerangs in their front bed. So I will have to ask her if they are getting bloom. And it would just be, it's not going to bloom like spring. No. But late summer, it'll still have some blooms. Yeah. If you want them to bloom twice. But I'll tell you, if a lilac is under stress, if a lilac is under stress, you know, it gets really dry or whatever, you can see blooms in the fall. Not not tons, but a little. You can. You can um, at my house on the common one because it's actually in the fence row and I don't I don't really water it. It just gets overflow water from the raised beds. And so sometimes it, it gets really dry. And yes, occasionally I'll see a few blooms in the fall. So, and then you were also going to talk about tree lilacs, yes. which are the Japanese tree lilac. Japanese tree lilac, Syringa reticulata. And the variety that most people buy is called ivory silk. I have one in my front garden. Very beautiful um, white blooms. It's, and I've only seen them in white very heavily scented and in scent they remind me of privet because um oh that's they're related Mm -hmm. and privet is invasive you shouldn't plant privet around here yeah regular privet common privet don't plant it there are there is sunshine ligustrum which is a privet that's not supposed to have any um blooms and i've never seen any on it ever um but you know i'm always Oh gosh, I'm always a little worried about anything that tends to be invasive and then they say it's sterile and then it turns out it has one little bloom. Does that make sense? It does. I mean, so I wouldn't I would not plant a Japanese tree lilac in Oklahoma because I just have a feeling that those are going to be a problem later. Well, I have one and I've had one forever and I actually planted one at the very first house I had, so that was the late 80s. I believe it's still there. But the problem is It wasn't a very common tree. And lately, the landscapers have discovered it. And, you know, landscapers, they discover a tree and then that's the tree that's the answer for everything. Right. They plant it everywhere. It's smaller. It has blooms. You know, it's it's not got standouts, Paul, color, but it's not horrible. So now they're starting to see a few in the wild. And so then he's like, well, y'all ruined it for me. Because if you just had my one, we'd be okay. (laughs) It's just my one. Also, we should say that um, ash borers do attack lilacs. They can be a problem. Some people call them lilac borers. Um, that is not to be confused with the emerald ash borer, which is a different insect. Right. There are some common ash borers, common ash borers, native ash borers in the United States. Here's the thing. If you lose your lilac to ash borers, you can always plant another one. I lost one and it's okay. Yeah, and there's happens. also there's also some wilts and the neighbor two doors down, he called me one day and I went down and he had some sort of a wilt. So we cut off as much as we could. And I said, so let's see what it looks like in the spring. So it's kind of still there. But the thing about lilacs is, you, you know, if it gets too big and my Miss Kim's, I thought they'd gotten too big and woody and actually they're starting to get into more shade. Um, so I cut them back severely severely this last summer. And I will be anxious to see what comes out this spring. I don't expect a bunch of bloom because mm-hmm. I, I took them from like six feet to 18 inches. 
So, wow. Okay. There probably won't be much bloom, but you know, you never know. But if they come back and, you know, bush out again, they'll be all right. And if not, then I'm going to um, get rid of them and put something else there. Yeah. Something different. So shall I, are we done with lilacs? Yes. So 2022, the year of the lilac from the National Garden Bureau, we will leave a link because they as always have excellent information if you want to read more about them. And I do recommend have a lilac in your garden for Pete's sakes. Well, it's a great harbinger of spring and um, they're really, they smell good when you bring them indoors, the blooms. That's right. Hit it, D, with the next quote. The holly and the ivy, when they are both full grown, of all the trees that are in the wood, the holly bears the crown. From a traditional English folk carol, the holly and the ivy, which traces the association between holly and Christmas back to medieval period, to the medieval. Another favorite song. Yes. So our veggie, you made me laugh when you said, go look at what I chose for our veggie. Well, we've been talking about nuts and we talked about chestnuts. We talked about walnuts. We talked about pecans. And I thought, well, I wonder what tree nut we should choose next. And they're really, neither one of us is going to grow almond trees or pistachio trees. We're not in the right climate. So I thought, you know what? We're going to elevate the lowly peanut. Even though it's not a tree nut, we both love peanuts. And I thought, we're going to talk about peanuts and growing peanuts, which is a legume. Legume. Yeah, it's a legume. And so you can grow peanuts. You can grow peanuts a lot of places. You can grow them here for sure. And peanuts, but peanuts get a bad rap because as you wrote, they are used in nut mixes as a filler because they're cheap, right? Right. Um, But there are some peanuts that are really good. There's some. And I'm going to tell you, when I was a kid and we would have a nut mix like at Christmas time or whatever, I always picked out the peanuts to eat. That's the part I liked. Well, I think because kids are familiar with them, right? Unless they have a peanut allergy and peanut allergies used to not be a thing. And did you know now they have you feed your baby little amounts of peanut to make sure that they don't get peanut allergies? I did not know that. Because when I raised babies, it was like, keep them away from stuff that they might be allergic to for about a year. And now they've decided that that's not such a good idea. So they give you small amounts. Hmm. So there you go. No one in my family is allergic to peanuts. Thank goodness, because we love peanuts. I love some peanuts. Now you can grow peanuts and you can buy seed. And um, actually the first two sources that I looked at didn't have any peanut seeds. And that was a botanical interest, of course. And then Johnny's selected seeds. Neither one had peanut seeds, which isn't to say they might not later. But I found that Burpee has a giant Virginia uh, peanut, which they describe as I mean, it's kind of a viney plant. They said you have to be frost free for four to five months to grow a peanut. Yeah, that's why they grow peanuts in Georgia. That's why they do not grow peanuts in Indiana. So around here, I would grow peanuts as strictly a novelty plant. I would not, you know, bank my fall harvest on it. You know, my my winter stash on my own homegrown peanuts is not happening. Me neither. I would also put them in smart pots. That way you have the loose soil that they really need because, and we'll leave a link to a place called the National Peanut Board. And they describe how peanuts actually grow. It's like they flower and then these lower branches, they call it pegging where they kind of dip down and go into the soil. And that's where the peanut forms. It's a lot of work. I'm not growing peanuts. I'm just going to buy them. You can buy plants at the garden center. I've seen them in the spring. I have too. And if I was going to grow one, I would do smart pot, a big smart pot, and I would buy the plants. 
I just buy like three plants. I'd stick it in there just so kids can see how it works. I think that'd be fun. That's like when people here grow cotton, you know, the ornamental cottons that are so pretty. Same thing. It's just for fun. It's just to see what it looks well, like. And then they're going to have raw peanuts and we never eat raw peanuts. We eat roasted peanuts or the out on the East coast, you know, you go down into North Carolina, South Carolina, they're always advertising for boiled peanuts. I've never, those boiled peanuts. I don't really like them. I like them roasted. I've had them. I don't really like them. So the best peanuts, I told you, I'll just buy mine. The best peanuts on the planet, in my opinion, are from a company called Tennessee Nut Company. And no, we did not, this is not an affiliate link, but we will link to them and they have great flavors and the peanuts are extremely fresh. And I actually bought some for my kids for Christmas because, well, peanuts. Yeah. Right. And then I was also going to say something else about peanuts. Oh, my grandmother and my grandfather both loved salted peanuts and Coca-Cola. Have you ever heard of doing that? I have heard of that, or maybe I've seen it in a movie or whatever, but that just sounds disgusting. It isn't disgusting. I've actually had it because Coke is really acidic. And so the salt of the peanuts and the acidity of the Coke, it's actually not bad. Is it something I have to have regularly? No, but I tasted my grandparents because they were like, you got to taste yeah. this. So I now I do buy, and I, I haven't bought any this year, but I have bought big bags of peanuts for feeding blue jays. And it's fun to watch them. They grab the peanut and then they rush it out somewhere and crack that shell open against a branch and eat it. And then I find peanut shells all over my yard. The neighbors are like, where are all these peanut shells coming from? And I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> they Blue Jays do love peanuts. That's the yeah. truth. But they, they will eat, uh, you know, I fill the feeder and then within an hour, they're all gone. And it's like, you pigs. That is all you're getting. Yeah. Yeah. That's like black oil, sunflower seed. I'm not feeling more than once a day. The birds know that outside too. Once it's gone, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Cardinals love black oil, sunflower seed so much that they'll do the same thing. And then I have sunflowers everywhere. So you want to do the next quote? Oh my goodness, Carol, it is really long. You only have to do one verse if you want. I'll do one verse. People get the idea. Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree. How faithful are their branches. Repeat, 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 repeat. It's a from the, the Oh Christmas Tree, which is an English folk song that in the original German was O Tannenbaum. That's another favorite song. Yeah, I do love the second verse. Can I do the second verse? Yes, you can. Tis not alone in summer sheen. Its boughs are broad. Its leaves are green. It blooms for us when wild winds blow and earth is white with feathery snow. A voice tells all its boughs among of shepherds watch and angels song of holy babe in manger low. That's pretty. That's very pretty. This song always reminds me of the Charlie Brown Christmas special too. Me too. Oh, speaking of CBS um, Sunday morning, did a whole special on the Charlie Brown Christmas special, which isn't even in our notes because I didn't think about it until now. Anyway, it's a good rabbit hole, but we're ahead. Of, I'm ahead of myself. But anyway, it's really good. I'll, I'll send it to you. We'll link to it. Send it to me. I, I want to see it. So on the bookshelf, we picked a Merry Christmas Herbal by Adelma Grenier Simmons. And this is a book because we're like, what book should we do? It's going to be Christmas week. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. So I actually, this is from 1968 and I actually ended up with two copies. And so one of them I am sending to you because I don't need two copies. Yay. 
Um, but this is full of like herbal gifts and recipes. And she talks about how they celebrate Christmas on their farm, which is called Capri Lands, because they used to raise purebred goats for the milk. Right. And then they switched to all herbs. Um, and Adelma Grenier Simmons is a very famous herbalist. And she lived yes, until she was. She, was, she was born in 1903. She died in 1997. She wrote over 40 books on herb topics. And uh, she this Capri Lands is like a 50-acre farm. Unfortunately, after she died, her estate got uh, wound up sideways and in probate. And so I guess it hasn't really been kept as it should. Various relatives, and I think now a grandson, are trying to bring it back. But anyway. Oh. The book. Well, that's kind of sad, but the book is fun. The book is good. It has a lot of interesting stuff and it's great to pull it down at Christmas time and read it. And of course, I had to go down a rabbit hole because I didn't know a lot about Adelma. (laughs) That's how I found out that her estate was a big mess and is still a big mess. But D, in 1987, she was on the Dave Letterman show, late night Dave Letterman show. And I'm going to link to it on yeah. YouTube. What? <laughs> and you go to the 39, you go about 39 minute mark and she comes out. And of course, Dave is cutting up like Dave Letterman does, but she has. Uh, yeah, but she's hilarious. I watched it, Carol. It was funny as I'll get out because um, she is so deadpan when she's telling him about different things and he keeps trying to make a joke out of stuff. Like when he asked her what the, she made a roast geranium cake and he asked her, um, so what, what's it going to remind me of? And she goes, roast geranium. Exactly. And it's just like that, the whole thing. And then he, t- she tells him to sniff these flowers. And it turns out there's a bee in the flowers. Yeah, that was funny. And she goes, oh yeah, that, oh my gosh, it's so funny. Y'all should go watch it. Yeah. So that was kind of fun. And I was just thinking like today, I don't see herbalists being invited on the late night shows. I mean. Martha Stewart used to go on to these various shows and stuff, but I can't think of anybody we know that gets on late night shows and feeds cake and salad uh-uh. and stuff to the host. Anyway, it's kind of fun. Yeah. And it has a bee, an actual bee that made it all the way from Connecticut to the studio yeah. and hung out. It made me laugh though. Cause she called the bee a he. Yeah. And I was like, it's probably not a he. Well, you hope it's a he, because then it couldn't sting him. But anyway, it was very, very funny. Anyway, that is the book. It's A Merry Christmas Herbal by Adelma Grenier Simmons. On to the next quote, D. Hark how the bells, sweet silver bells, all seem to say, throw cares away. Christmas is here, bringing good cheer to young and old, meek and the bold. That's from Carol of the Bells. The lyrics are by Peter J. Wilhowski, which I don't think we ever think about who writes these things. That particular song makes me a little manic when it's sung, but I like it as a quote. Well, you know, okay. it's fast. So for the dirt, you found this article, D. I'll let you talk about I it. I thought you found this one. It's about which birds are the biggest jerks of the feeder. So they, they did this giant data analysis about feeders at the park or in your backyard. And they did a database of a hundred thousand bird interactions And so ornithologists decoded Uh that there's a secret pecking order, which I'm not even surprised about that at all. But nope. Interestingly, is it really the wild turkey? Yeah, the wild turkey is at the top of the rung. Well, that's because they're big. 
And then the tiny brown creeper is at the bottom. But if you guys want to go look at it, we have this link to it. And it's you'll find out that like chickadees are in a certain spot because it looks like chaos at the bird feeder, but it's really not. They all know who goes first. Exactly. And so I'm going to look at my bird feeder right outside this window a little bit, you know, if I can even identify the birds. I'm so terrible at bird identification, but obviously I know what cardinals are and I know woodpeckers and I think I can see the finches, the chickadees. I guess I know more than I think, but I'm going to watch to see. Yeah. The big pigs at my feeder are the cardinals. The cardinals take everything from everybody else. They're the big, bad boys and girls, Um, but they're so pretty that we don't care. But they said, here's the thing. They said, if you were going to really expand beyond the bird world, they said, actually, it's squirrels that are like the worst. Yeah. Squirrels are awful because, (laughs) yeah, they, they, and they said a squirrel will take out a bird to get to the feeder. So there you go. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. So try to put up your, you know, deals to stop the squirrels and do your best. And we all, we all fight the squirrels every year. That's what we do. So what else you want to say about Christmas time? I want to say at Christmas time that just before we recorded this podcast, I, an article popped up in my email from Modern Farmer about mistletoe. And so mistletoe, I'm going to leave a link to this. If you want to talk about a parasitic plant that can kill trees, that we have all turned into like this, you know, kissing under the mistletoe. That plant is evil, D. Evil. It's bad. It's kind of a bad plant because it's a parasite. And so here, I mean, in the wintertime, I can see them way up in the trees. They get in the oak trees and they also get in um, the cottonwoods. And they're so high up in the air, the mistletoe is, that people here use shotguns to shoot down the mistletoe and then they sell it on the corner. There you go. And here. Here, I don't know anybody that's shooting down mistletoe, but I did immediately think of that thing, that line from A Christmas Story, where yes, the mama says, you'll shoot your eye out. That's right. You can't have that Red Ryder BB gun. You'll shoot your eye out. So, yeah. And that's from all those stories by Gene Shepard, who is a Hoosier. He's from Indiana. Yeah, he's from Indiana. Grew up in Hammond, Indiana, way up north. Might as well say Chicago. <laughs> No, Chicago gets to have everything. I know. So we we get to have him. Don't feel bad about cutting down mistletoe. It's okay because it's hurting the tree anyway. It's right. There's no two ways about it. But it is fascinating that research that they've done and what mistletoe can do. It's, it's kind of a creepy evil and, uh, you know. Doesn't whatever. it tap into the tree circulatory system and rob it? It does. Isn't that what it does. It does. Yeah. But it also can communicate with other mistletoe plants in the same tree. And, you know, there's just, there's some weirdness going on, D. Sort of like gremlins, but in your tree. All right. Exactly. Now, on to rabbit holes. You can go down the rabbit hole first, and then I'll go down the rabbit hole. So I went down the rabbit hole of Adelma Grenier Simmons because I had never been there and I found out all kinds of stuff. But, The reason I actually have that book is not because I'm an herbalist and I wanted to get all these herb books. I love books that tie Christmas and gardening together. Okay. (laughs) And I have that one. (laughs) I have a couple other. Honestly, wait, 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 wait. Honestly, you like books that tie anything and gardening together. 
It's not just Christmas. Yeah, but it's all holidays, all thoughts. <laughs> I, I have a little stack. I have a book called Decking the Halls by Linda Allen, The Folklore and Traditions of Christmas Plants. And then I have another book and I'm pulling them that's called The Christmas Rose, which somebody wrote an entire book about Helleborus Niger, The Christmas Rose. Um, and so, yeah, it's kind of a rabbit hole and it's a fun thing to quote unquote collect because I don't know authors. I don't know titles. I just know I want this subject matter, Christmas and gardening, Christmas and plants together. So right. I'm always keeping my eye out for something like that to add to my little stack. That's my rabbit hole. So if anybody knows a title that I should have that's relating Christmas and gardening, Christmas and plants, if they don't email me, then there's something wrong with that person. They need to email me. Tell me. Can it be a story too? Yeah. As long as it ties together gardening plants. Yeah, it can be a story. Oh, I've got three. I've got the legend of the poinsettia. And then I've got another one about the legend of the poinsettia, which is all about right. you know, the little girl brought the poinsettia to the Christ child and how it turned red because the angels did it. Um, I also have one called the holly and the ivy. Oh, I'll, I'll send, I'll send you the title. Well, what about that other one you have? The Christmas cottontail that relates gardening and Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Somebody named Carol Michael wrote that one. <laughs> I think you have that one. I do. I have I have several copies of that one. I have signed copies. <laughs> Which she'll be glad to send to you for a fee. Okay, so my rabbit hole is that I went to the um I I just happened upon an American aristocrat's guide to English estates Christmas edition. I watched the show, which has had two seasons, but apparently this was actually filmed in 2019, right before the pandemic. But I don't think it, maybe it came out last year. Maybe it didn't. I don't know. But in any event, it's really, really charming. We're going to link to it. And it also, because of it, I ended up buying a good used copy of Christmas at High Clear, Recipes and Traditions from the Real Downton Abbey, which is part of a series of books, which is by the Countess. I'm going to get it right so I don't say it wrong. The Countess of Carnarvon. The Countess Carnarvon, who is the Countess who owns Hiker Castle, which is, you know, Downton Abbey in the show. So fun stuff in that book, uh, really fun stuff in the show, except for she's, I got to say, our American aristocrat. Uh -huh. She married, you know, she married, I think he's a duke and she's a duchess, but she's kind of a dingling. She really is. I mean, she there's I thought it was the Earl of Sandwich that she married. He's the Earl of Sandwich. I, I don't think I think it's a little more complicated than that. I think. Yeah, oh, okay. I, I don't right. think he's That's the Earl fine. yet. I don't know, though. His one of his relatives, a Montague, was the Earl of Sandwich. But I don't know that he is it yet. But it doesn't matter. The point is, okay. she's a little bit of a dingbat. Um, but. She's fun to watch. And the English are so patient with her when she muddles all of their traditions. But I enjoyed it. You get them, you get to see them milk a cow. You get to see some really good cream. Um, she makes eggnog. He makes mulled wine. It's fun. Yeah, that sounds fun. Which reminds me, I just read another article about eggnog that you can call it eggnog in the U.S. market if it has 1% egg solids in it. And so they said most people have had eggnog flavored milk. They have not had actual eggnog with eggs in it. Okay. So we make 
at our house, we make the real eggnog, which is Martha Stewart's recipe. And if we have, I mean, if we have space, we can link to that too. Um, you use real eggs in it. So you want to use really good eggs because in this particular recipe, you don't, you don't cook the eggs. Um, so you don't want to get salmonella, but no one in our house has ever gotten salmonella from the eggs we use. Um, actually, my daughter Claire is bringing it this year and it's got real eggs. It's lovely. Very nice. Very nice. All right. Well, that is it. We want to wish everybody a very Merry Christmas. We didn't do our garden commissions, Carol. Oh, I'm so bad. <laughs> so I was all I'll excited just... to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. De-stop me. De-stop me, people. Anyway, go ahead with your garden commission. I'll keep watering the indoor bulbs and plants and try to keep them alive. And I'm going to keep walking and lifting weights. So I'm able to garden this spring. What are you going to do the week before Christmas? Uh, I might buy a poinsettia. And other than that, I'm going to keep my bird feeders full and make sure the house plants are watered. And we are too. That's about it. Now, can I wish people a Merry Christmas Day? Yes, you sure can. Sorry. Do you want to wish people a Merry Christmas too? <laughs> yeah, I'll do it on my turn. Okay. Well, we want... <laughs> We want to thank you for listening to The Gardenangelist. If you like our podcast, please tell your friends about us. Also hit that subscribe button so you don't miss anything. And if you listen to Apple Podcasts, we'd love a five-star review. That helps us get noticed by others. Could you also share our podcast with your garden friends? Word of mouth is still the best way to get the word out there. Yes, and be sure and check out our show notes for links for more information about today's topics, plus links to our own websites. And if you want to help support us, use those affiliate links. If you buy something after clicking through on them, we earn a small commission and it costs you nothing. As usual, it was lovely to chat with you over the garden gate today. Merry Christmas, everyone. Bye until next week, as we say. Merry Christmas.